Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Apologue Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Head. Today's podcast is brought to you by FetchClass.com. FetchClass.com is a teaching and learning system for the primary reason so you can learn and teach music. It's free to join, and it's really cool. Uh, you, you can... Uh, you don't need to drive across town. You don't need to uh, wait in a waiting room. You don't need to drive in the snow, the rain, and all that other stuff. It uh, It's a really cool system, and I, you should go join there, www.fetchclass.com. Today's guest is none other than Cleve Anderson. Cleve Anderson has been around the scene for about as long as I've lived. He's played music in many, many bands, some of them being Blue Rodeo, Battered Wives, a lot of great Toronto and Canadian staple point punk rock and indie bands. I really like him. He spent most of his life as a mailman and then decided to retire and just play in a hundred different bands. And that's what he does right now. He just plays music. So we got uh, down and spoke in his Toronto home out in High Park. Thanks so much for listening. Also, Thanks so much for telling a friend, and thanks so much for subscribing. I can tell by on the statistics that people are listening and enjoying this podcast, and for that, I am truly flattered. So hey, everybody, sit back, relax. Here is Cleve Anderson. Hey everybody, welcome to the Apologue Podcast, episode 6. And I'm joined here today with Mr. Cleve Anderson. And it's a new year, it's snowing outside, and we're in High Park. Is this High Park? This is High Park, yeah. Yeah, we're in High Park, and uh, we're on location. And it's really good to uh, see you again, Cleve. I can't remember last time we actually jammed together, but it would have been almost a year ago. About a year ago, I think, yeah. The Painted Lady, would that be right? That's right, Sid's yeah. Kids, and we're going to get to that. And yeah. um, I, I find... Your, your story fascinating based on kind of what I know about you when I didn't know you, mm-hmm. uh, based on your history of playing drums in several bands, and one of them being Blue Rodeo, right. a band that in my teenage upcoming is a huge influence in me, especially the first album. Right. And that, that's the one you played on. And you yeah. played on the second one, and did you play on Casino? No. no. First two. Down in Mind and Outskirts. That's right, yeah. Yeah. I like Casino, but it's. I yeah. knew something was afoot there when they were putting uh, uh, session musicians on the on the credits. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But let's let's go further back. Let's let's go back to old days. Like, it's a bit of a cliche question, but when did you start playing drums? Uh, and why left-handed? Why left-handed? <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way I knew how to do it. I wasn't thinking. I had a friend up the street, so, uh, who got some drums for Christmas. This would be probably 66 or something. I had my first gig in 68, so. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had some drums, and I think he was left-handed. He was. Are you left-handed? I don't know if by, that. By yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, I'm left-handed. All right, yeah. So, you know, I had cut out cardboard guitars and stuff, and I played them left-handed and mm-hmm. stuff. 
but uh yeah i just set them up that way yeah i got a snare drum for christmas right after that and then i added a cymbal to it then a kick drum the next christmas it took me about three years to get a set of drums together and that's just how i set them up because it was natural for me yeah you know do you, do you yeah. uh did you did you start with pots and pans like the, the cl- yeah, cliche yeah. kind of yeah i did yeah i put them up on the kitchen table like i saw ringo on a riser and stuff and that would have been the heat and the heart and yeah absolutely like how old yeah. were you when the beatles were on ed sullivan i remember seeing uh the beatles on the jack parr show which was a precursor to the tonight show they did um they sent over film footage, and it was the first time that of uh, the thing. So I was twelve, I think, and wow. you know, so yeah, wow. I did actually see the Beatles live too in, in Toronto. Last, yeah, in Toronto, at Maple Leaf Gardens. Maple Leaf Gardens. That would have yeah. been sixty sixty six. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, I have a friend uh, Bob Mitchell who mm. used to be uh, the uh, a crew chief over at the Living Arts Center who saw the Beatles that yeah. same show. I wonder if it's like the police thing, only like 10 times. <laughs> the police at the horseshoe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and you, you, could you hear the show? They, oh, oh, you know, it was their last tour. It was a little tired, even in retrospect, even at the time. I was kind of losing, uh, you know, the excitement was their last tour. And there was, you could hear some of it because... The screaming was sort of half-hearted. And I remember, I think they started with Paperback Writer, and they look great. And it's, you know, that was a cool song. Yeah. But what I remember more about the show was this band called The Remains that opened for them. I was like from Boston, uh, your garage rock song. They got songs in those Lenny K. Nugget albums and stuff, wow. you know. And, like, they were, like, aggressive. And so, you know, kind of I was the, headed towards punk rock, I think. The times are changing, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. The that times were changing. They were more interesting. Yeah. I thought, I mean, not the Beatles are pretty interesting. I'm, of course, I've become a even I've a bigger fan over the years. They're yeah. around. They've yeah, been, they. Uh, what what album would, would that have been on an album, or it was just a, a thing? Would it have been Revolver, or would it have been? It was before it was Sergeant before, Peppers. What was before? Because uh, they stopped in Sergeant Peppers. They stopped yeah, touring. I think there was uh, the album. Was the album after? There's Rubber Soul. Then. Uh, it was before Revolver, and it was before Rubber Soul, and okay. the one before that was The Butcher, the original uh, controversial... The White Album. The Bert Butcher Album. They had, like... Oh. They had, they had butcher coats on, and they had uh, dolls that they had cut up and stuff. <laughs> That's risky. Do you know about that? Yeah. No. But, you, you know, you can... Something to Google one day, but... Um, you know, they were also bigger than Jesus, but they also did these uh, this other thing. That was their other... Uh, bad boy thing i guess but well, i th- i wonder if that was Beatles six or something it was an album called beatles they you know they put I, different I albums out in yeah. different countries too right yeah that's the thing my know. parents yeah. were huge beatles fans um my believe my parents did see the beatles in england but every album had a different uh, well obviously it was released under capital over here and it was emi over there yeah so the albums that i listened to were the old emi releases and just scratched the bejesus yeah and uh honestly i think the first seven inch i really listened on a record player was a beatles and uh it's funny because uh, i was born in 1970 yeah. and how there was a wave of beatles and i think it was around the time when john lennon came back that the beatles all of a sudden became kind of cool again or not mm-hmm. cliche or kitschy but i remember getting into the beatles and listening to it on an album and going this is what this is what i want to do yeah it's crazy so- even 10 years later 
yeah. <laughs> after yeah. they'd broken up, basically. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Yeah. And um, so you have lived in Toronto your whole life? Yeah, Etobicoke, uh, yeah. you know, which GTA. now is part of Toronto. Then it was uh, yeah. A, yeah, just a, a borough, suburban borough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... So you've lived about 10 minutes from here in this area? Yeah. Your whole time, yeah. Yeah, I lived there and... Uh, I've had lived in four, three or four different places in this high park area. Yeah. Never got closer to the urban center. Well, why would you? It's beautiful yeah. here. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I guess it works for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. 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 yeah goodbye. Yeah. Um, the uh, so you've never moved out of Toronto, like like as an angry teenager, just say, "Screw your mom, dad. I'm I'm getting out of here." No, I did. You know, when I finished high school, a friend and I went to Europe and went for four months traipsing around. Yeah. You know. Did you play, or were you just going to no. hitchhike and bum out? Yeah, I wasn't really... I didn't think of myself as... It took me a long time to really get in bands. I was just monking around on the drums. I didn't even think of myself, really, as a musician <laughs> in 70... This is 71, I think. I yeah. went in. <clears throat> in your 20s? 19, yeah. 20, yeah. Actually, I was a huge prog rock fan, and 71 was the year, and one of the reasons yes. I wanted to go... We spent a month and a half in England, and I saw... I have a list, I list to this day of the bands that I saw. It was like Yes and King Crimson and Egg and Centipede and all these more obscure. Wow. Because we're like band 71. But I remember on the way home, I just, you know, the record stores were full of Electric Warrior. Is it Electric Warrior, Mark Boland's album? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the new, the first Roxy Music album had just come out. So I came home with those and I kind of was headed away from the prog rock at that yeah, of stuff at that time. Yeah, because that was the more exciting new thing. Yeah, I I learned mm-hmm. to play bass to Chris Squire, Chris Squire, yeah, Chris Squire and Getty Lee. Yeah, uh, Getty Lee learned off of uh, Jack Bruce, right? Essentially, yeah. But uh, who who just passed this year, last year, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And yeah, um, yeah I le- I really I I had a yes era in my life yeah. too. I I went f- through Fragile and gosh. Fragile was one of my is still one yeah. of my favorite yeah. albums. It's played so well. Can I ask you a question? Did you have round wound strings on your bass? Absolutely. Yeah, I did have a, a Rickenbacker four double o one though. Is that what Chris had? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. think he had a four double o three. Yeah, which had two extra three extra frets in it or right. something like that. Oh, but yeah. I I learned well, I didn't play with a pick, and that's Chris Squire got me into playing with a pick. Yeah. So he was, uh, <laughs> yeah, I like the pick on a bass. Yeah. It's yeah. weird thing about Yes's resurgence in the eighties, owner of a lonely heart. And that yeah. new Yes got me basically to go back to listen to old Yes, which I don't know if that was a, a common thing. I think when yeah. Yes made new fans, everybody in the old guard went, Whoa, wait a minute. Hey guys. Yeah. Geez, yeah. Yeah. Geez. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing about being like, I was born in 51 and being, you know, having seen rock and roll unfold kind yeah. of thing you know yeah. <clears throat> so i have a hist- historical you know the yeah i, I really r- rarely went back to yeah. i mean i'm still going back to the stuff i love but yeah 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 but yeah, yeah that's that's uh, i think that's a great concept that you were you know given a whole a kind of ocean full of kind of rock music to discover yeah, I mean, yeah. going and from then, 51 even just up to 71 yeah. is an amazing transition. And mm-hmm. I don't think we really hit that sort of, 
of course, we've had the little spikes here and there along the way about when music is all of a sudden the thing or, or, or music goes from A to B. But mm-hmm. going from A through Z, in from the, there's what a 20 year period. It's yeah. Crazy. I mean, Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. Black Sabbath, yeah. uh, MC5, uh, all these crazy, you know, the Beatles, Cat yeah. Stevens. I mean, all these things that just sort of just kept, you know. Sure. Every, you know. Every year's most sort of essential music starting in the 60s, I think, it was different the next year. Mm-hmm. Like I would say, <clears throat> for example, some, in 66 maybe with, uh, you know, the electric prunes or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then 67, all of a sudden, that was kind of passe-ish with Hendrix and Cream and that. Yeah. And then a year later, <clears throat> you know, something else. And then it was, yeah. you know... But every year was sort of a fresh new thing. Like you, you mentioned Cat Stevens. I remember that. You know, I guess it paralleled the um, progressive rock era. But you know, all the California songwriter stuff. Like I got yeah. Tapestry by Carol King at one mm-hmm. point. I just like ate that up. Yeah. You know, singer songwriter yeah. stuff too. Yeah, and you know? and that sort of it's. Uh, I, you know, I love that Cat Stevens stories where he was a pop star. And yeah, then just, he was. And then he got tuberculosis, right? And yeah. He was sick for a while, and then mm-hmm. learned and wrote all these great songs, and yeah, and and it auditioned his album as an acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. and whoever signed him, I forget his name now, but he said, "That's what your record's going to be. It's yeah. going to be you, a guitar, yeah. minimal." Right. And I mean, who would say that back in the days yeah. of Phil Spector and crazy production, and mm-hmm. let's make this bigger, better? Even Zeppelin, you know, early Zeppelin was pretty big, you know, yeah. for that stuff, and. Yeah, it's funny how. Um, yeah, it's it, our our lives sort of because I was born in 1970, so therefore mm-hmm. I'm 20 years behind you, mm-hmm. and I don't think I've saw a real fashion statement as well as musical statement and how things went. You know, obviously we had the 80s, and the 80s were like you mm-hmm. know. But I, I think it was an, a genre, not just a year would go by and say, "Oh, that's all crap." This yeah. is the new vibe. Yeah, we had some real bad synth pop. Yeah, <laughs> through the eighties, or yeah. you know, some really bad, depressing music in the seventies. That just was an era. You know what I mean? Like the dark era mm-hmm. of of music. So, um, well, that let's talk about a little bit about your uh, tr- Queen Street. How it was in the seventies. Obviously, it's completely different now. But yeah. you know, <clears throat> of course, you can say it's much different, but. But what was it like to sort of have a live music scene in Toronto? Because it really, it's here, it's a little better, but it's always mm. been struggling. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> just before, the, the beginnings of Queen Street uh, was the Beverly Tavern, I think, in the Ontario College of Art that was up the street. And um, when I finished high school in 71... I had a friend who I kind of worshipped because he could really play guitar. Mm-hmm. And he was playing mostly blues bands, but he went to uh, OCA, OCAD now. And uh, his, he would have this band that played at the Beverly Tavern. And it was mostly all blues bands, 72, 73. So there was nothing down there at, at that time. Um, before that, all the bands played on Young Street. There was like three or four of it. The Gasworks, yep. the Young Station, Piccadilly Tube, the Colonial, Upstairs and Downstairs. Uh, a couple other little places came and went, I think. But every, the, Toronto was like a small town in 70, right up till the mid-70s. Mm-hmm. 
everything was in Young Street. Everybody would go down, you know, from the suburbs, get on the subway and get yeah. drunk and see see bands, and they're mostly, you know, yeah, cover rock cover bands. Yeah, I guess Young Street was more like what uh, St. Catherine Street is in Montreal, a little yeah. seedier, a little more downtrodden, but, mm-hmm. you know, dangerous. <laughs> right. I've only seen the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Queen Street was, uh, the, there was the, the Beverly Tavern, and, uh, you know, I kept going there because it was just a nice vibe. It was original, only play, one of the few places that had original music. Mm-hmm. It was always sort of interesting, and then... Around 75 or so, there was this band, The Dishes, that made posters that you would see on the street. And no one was postering mm-hmm. before that. And uh, I just remember this one poster that's soon to be a household word, The Dishes. And I thought it was sort of funny, you know, like <laughs> clever, funny, and stuff. And it was hand drawn by our, you know, already yeah. kids, you know. That's amazing. I can relate to this. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah. I got to go see The Dishes. Yeah, yeah. And they were sort of, I don't know if you know anything about them, but they were Oxy music oriented. They were. They were gay mostly, you know, and uh, then they opened a restaurant or some of them across the street from the Beverly called the, the Peter Pan that just closed recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was sort of the art center. That was just, you had this sense. And then we started hearing about what's going on in New York at CBGB's and, yeah. and all that. And, you know, we could see that we were all kind of tired of, uh, um, you know, b- Huge corporate rock and really Emerson, Lake, and Palmer type, uh, you know, complicated music that mm-hmm. none of us could ever hope to play. And yeah, yeah. And so here was our opportunity to actually do something, you know, mm-hmm. be part of something, to make something ourselves as yeah. opposed to watching something from, oh, wouldn't it be great if, you know. Yeah, you're, you're, that you're shoving yeah. music back in people's faces yeah. who have been shoving it to you. I mean, that's natural, yeah. natural progression, we, right? Right. And we, punk rock. Yeah. Reclaiming uh, rock and roll for, for the, for the youth. The youth, not yes. the masses, because yeah. that sounds very Russian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not exactly communist, but so then other places started to open. The, the Horseshoe was open soon after. I mean, it was the Horseshoe was an old country it's bar. Country bar, but, yeah. But uh, the Garys who had brought the Ramones, which was kind of what, um, well, ground zero for. Punk rock, Toronto. That was September '76 at yeah. the New Yorker Theater, and I was there. And you know, they say that, you know, I know everybody says they were there, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I, but I was there, and uh, you know, a lot of people were that started all those bands, Vile Tones, Teenage Head, and the Diodes. As, as I understand it, pretty much most of them were there in that. Is that the old, that's the old uh, O'Keefe Center? Uh, it's a no. Panasonic theater now. It's on oh, okay. Young Street right. up near Bloor. Right. Um, There's a famous <clears throat> interview or a live TV thing that I saw where, um, I think it's the O'Keefe, where the, the the tour manager from the for the Ramones is looking at all the broken chairs and going, yeah. one, two, three. Oh, yeah. that's uh, 20 punk rock fans yeah, that came yeah. and saw the show. Yeah. The chairs were just destroyed. Yeah, I yeah. don't know if that that might have been the O'Keefe. It might have been. I think that's the O'Keefe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you, you were the AO, big show? Big show? In in what to like, me or yeah, yeah. well, big show for you, just in size people, as yeah. well as like, oh my god, this is my eyes are open. Um, or did you already know it because you're a punk rock? Uh, when I heard about the Ramones, I knew this was 
when I heard of them described, mm-hmm. this was uh, sort of when I saw them. Um, it was. I remember at first I thought they were louder than I thought. I still kind of had this unrequited love of the garage rock music that never really came into mm-hmm. full full bloom for right. me. And like I thought they were a little too. Uh, um, kind of what's that? That Ozzy Osbourne's band. You mentioned Black Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, <clears throat> which are cool and everything, but uh, but the the thing about the show, what it seemed to me that it started and it was pretty good. It was interesting. It was different. It kept going. And it seemed like it kept speeding up. And I don't know if that was a thing they did, where each yeah. tempo was. Which is, you know, this is something I've experimented with some of my bands. Just knock the tempo up a little bit each song, you know. And uh, so by the end, it was sort of like you're kind of pushed back against your seat, you know, with this acceleration. I remember by the end thinking, you know, this is great. This was a template to kind of to follow. So yeah, I mean, I've I've seen bands. Obviously, a lot of bands where I play in a band that sort of <laughs> mm-hmm. uses that as a template. Yeah. But I know just from a person playing sort of Ramones-esque songs that it can get boring fast. You need to switch it up somehow. Yeah. And uh, because they were so raw and so in your face that, like, truthfully, uh, listening to the Ramones on album, mm-hmm. I can't go any more than three or four songs. Yeah. I'm done because it's like seems like, it's, it's horrible to say, but it mm-hmm. seems like the same song a lot. Well... It is, I guess. Yeah. But I think the thing was when they first, like those first shows when people went, wow, at CBGB's, for example, or so even the new. one, they were, yeah. they, I think they were half an hour at the most. That's enough. That, yeah. That's enough. That's not the Beatles. When I saw the Beatles, it was 30, <laughs> five, those shows were 35 minutes long. Yeah. How much did it cost, <clears throat> anyway, the Beatles? Like 50 uh, or something? I don't think I have my ticket. I think it was like 550 or something. That's like that. too much. Yeah, yeah. Too, way too Beatles much. Beatles are sellouts. Motherfuckers. <laughs> I think it was less than $10. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, punk rock, when we, when we had our little bands going in the 70s, often was, we do nine songs. We, we do nine song sets, and they were mm-hmm. short songs. Maybe one was kind of our longer song, four minutes or mm-hmm. something. <laughs> but... Uh, I think that's what it's sort of supposed to be, like nine songs when you're playing yeah. that style of music, you yeah. know? Yeah, definitely. And who's got and the place. attention span kind of almost any more now? Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to sit down and listen to an hour of Ramones or. Yeah. I guess that's why I don't. I love Bruce Springsteen, the first couple albums, but like I can't sit through those two no. and a half long concerts. There's only so many times you can go to the outskirts of town. Yeah, There's I only so many times your girl I mean, can get on the, the back of your bike. going up in the air. My arm gets too tired. Yeah. And he ignores you know? one. Yeah. It's always two, three, four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two, three, four. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Never gets past four. But no, it? well, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. true. And he plays for three and a half hours. Yeah. I mean, I, whoever can get away with that. God, God love you. Well, if you, I guess if you've paid a couple hundred dollars for a ticket, you're all yeah. hyped up and you want to hear, you got all these songs in your mind that you want to hear and you're waiting for your favorite song, yeah. you know. I, you know, I understand how it works, you know. Yeah. I haven't got I haven't got enough hit songs yeah, yeah, yeah. to make a three-hour show work, I don't think, but, you know. Yeah. So, so we're sort of getting into the late 70s, into the early 80s, and when did you start... Um, when did you start with Blue Rodeo? Because that would have been 81 in 1980-ish. No, it was uh, 84 we did our first rehearsal. Oh, okay. So there was a lot of stuff between, there was 77, 70, 
77, I was in some punk bands. 78 was the big one with Battered Wives. Mm-hmm. That would, you know, oh, yeah. all the contra. We'll get the Blue Rodeo. Yeah, okay, yeah. Boring old Blue that. Rodeo, yeah. but... Uh, I never heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> Blue Rodeo, Blue Who? <laughs> Blue Oyster Cult, Blue Peter, <laughs> whatever were they again? Um, yeah, Battered Wives. That was, uh, we, you know, we women's groups were protests. We were in the, the new, you know, front page mm. of the paper and stuff. Because really? these women groups were out uh, protesting the use of the name. The height of feminism. Batter, battered Wives, yeah. yeah. The women Against Violence Against Women was this organization, organization that, you know, put themselves on the map because uh, we gave them a little forum to deal with, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we weren't, we weren't the wife beaters or anything. We're just. No, well, that's know. what you wear in LA. <laughs> yeah. As a wife beater. So you yeah. can get away with that now. Yeah. You can, but. <laughs> but uh, so there was that for. We opened for Elvis Costello his first tour in North America. Wow. We went across Canada doing. Yeah. Doing that. We, you know. What size of venues would that have been? That were all soft. That was the O'Keefe Center. Okay, we did the yeah. one in Toronto. Yeah. Played right across the, in Al- Alberta. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe you've played some of them. Northern Alberta Art Center, was it? What are they called? Uh, yeah. And the southern one, Calgary and Edmonton. We played at the hockey arena in, in Vancouver, whatever. Winnipeg that. would have been what? Was Winnipeg, the Walker? we played that. Old theater. Yeah, the Walker Theater, yeah. which now is the Burton Cummings Theater. Yeah, that's right. It comes yeah. in as a big mustache on the front on the yeah. front door. Now you come in, it has this big handlebar yeah. mustache. That's our Burton. Well, Burton, yeah. Yeah. Stand yeah. tall. So we played there. Yeah. yeah. So that was fun. We had our little, yeah, 25 minute set. Were you in a, in a van? We had a Winnebago that Whoa. we were in. Yeah. High class. Oh, yeah. I always love those old uh, Joey shithead stories where he talks about driving in northern Ontario mm-hmm. and it's dirt roads. Yeah. <laughs> driving on dirt roads. You must have experienced the same kind of thing, right? Like yeah. in the early, late 70s, right? Yeah. Well, I know Elvis Costello was just like, he, he felt he was making some kind of and, uh, political statement by not going to the USA. You know, I'm, mm. going, to, I'm going across the ocean, but I'm not going to America, America the imperialistic, uh, yeah. you know creeps that they are and everything but then he got he they were traveling across canada on a bus and i think uh yeah. you know on that trip from like winnipeg to saskatoon the drive of you know in in november or whenever it was yeah. with just they couldn't believe it you know <laughs> yeah. like, are you kidding me let me know yeah, let's go you know but um yeah, yeah th- so that was 78 and then i was in this band tyranna that was a punk rock a little bit of a you know, cult band. Yeah. And then the Sharks, which, you know, we didn't record, but that's where I met Basil from Battered Wives. We oh, right. for two and a half years. David Baxter, who's um, still very active in the alt-country mm-hmm. thing. So there was the three of us. And uh, how I got going with Blue Rodeo was that Jim and Greg had a band called The, the, the two singer-songwriters for yeah. Blue Rodeo had a band called The Hi-Fis that were mm-hmm. like a... Kind of a power pop, new wave band. I've seen some of that, <clears throat> and they play some actually what would the what would have been early Blue Rodeo songs as that, right? Like I've seen some TV things yeah. on YouTube of that, and it's yeah. strange seeing some like, of those creeped into the early yeah. Blue Rodeo repertoire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, they opened for the Sharks at the Edge, which the the Gary Top and Gary Cormier, mm-hmm. who brought the Ramones first time. Yeah. They had a club uh, uh, in on Girard Street, and uh, 
I saw them open. They were open for the Sharks, and that's where I met them. I thought they were pretty good, and I would go see them play. And and then, you know, it was a pretty small scene. It was, uh, you know, we'd all be out and about seeing other bands. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't play all the time, really, then. Uh, there was the odd six-nighter gig at Larry's Hideaway right. that we were doing before that. But, but by the time the 80s came along, it was sort of you play like once every two weeks or something. So, you, you know, you'd go out and see see the other bands. So I'd see Jim and Greg everywhere. And they went uh, around 81, 82. Then they went to New York and tried to make a go of it there. They had a yeah. band called Flight of France that played CBGBs a few times. Yeah. And, and they came back in 84, and uh, they had this idea. They already had the name. They had done some demos in mm-hmm. in New York, and they wanted to put a band together. And I said, well, I had a nine. When we, they asked me about it, I had a nine-day-old, my first son, who's now 30. <laughs> as you know, I said, well, you know, I'm a family guy. I already... Kind of didn't really think I would pursue music as a career. Yeah. I Getting just out liked, of the scene. Yeah, I just, yeah. I just wanted to play for fun more than anything. Yeah, and, yeah. and then when, sorry, we'll just back up yeah. just a second. When did you start working? Because you were a, a postman. Yeah, well, I was 75, even before punk rock, so, the whole time. Yeah. So you had a, like a nine-to-five steady job. All you, through every one of these bands. It's you incredible. Know? And do you think being a postman sort of... Obviously, it had helped you financially, but mm-hmm. what did being a postman have to do with being punk rock? Like, did you used to hate waking up at like six in the morning to go be a postman, or was that? Oh yeah, I mean, I love punk rock as a concept, as a, yeah, as a as being part of a new style of music, right. you know. Of course, I mean, I didn't really have a big. I had a good life, and I, you know, I'm fairly well. I wasn't angry, really, particularly. Yeah, I didn't want to be a thorn in the side of society, right? Necessarily, you although I see the value of it. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, I just thought it was fun. You know, I thought it was yeah. a good energy. I thought yeah. it was sort of tongue in cheek. I thought there was some good theatrics. Right. With you know, you could act out sort of a thing. I like being part of it. And you would have been but, in your thirties, going into the late. Yeah. Well, I, I think it was, when I joined the post, I was twenty five or twenty four, and then yeah. by the time I was in Bad Wise in seventy eight, I was twenty six years old. When I was going to see the Vile Tones, and yeah, yeah. Be just before that. You know, I was 25. I, I felt like almost embarrassed that too old to be a punk rocker guy. Yeah. Because you know? everybody was 19, 20, 21 were the prime years to be, yeah. you know. Like, like Logan's like, Run. <clears throat> then yeah. they make you give you your nose ring back, right? <laughs> I don't know Logan's <laughs> Run. But I guess I got to that's I gotta get uh, put that on my to-watch list, I guess. Eh? Yeah. 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 Um, Fair Fawcett's in it. Is she? One scene. Oh, yeah. And then there's Logan's Run, yeah. starring Farrah Fawcett. Yeah. Um, sorry, we'll be digressing there. <laughs> digressing. So, so, yeah. so were you, like, driving around Postman, or were you walking around? Yeah, I was around? walking around. I had That's a good route for you, near right? my house. Yeah. I didn't mind it. Uh, you know, out getting some exercise. I looked after mm-hmm. my little bit of territory, and mm-hmm. I could play music. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was finished early in the day, so if I was playing, like, yeah, I'd have to get to up go. at 6. Yeah. But I could get home and grab a few hours sleep before the gig or whatever. So I yeah. just sort of slept twice a day as opposed yeah. to once. Yeah, and did the, I guess the postal service would have had a little hindrance on, like we were going back now to the Blue Rodeo days where it's, yeah. this is the real deal. Yeah. Or this is something that uh, obviously there's, the, the the winds are changing, people, you know there's a hype about 
this group. You know yeah. that people are are really willing to jump on financially with this group. Right. And and did did you feel did you feel for a second? Well, oh, maybe I will just not do this. Or did you? What made you? What maybe? What made you get into the Blue Rodeo thing to say? They asked you, I'm sure. They asked, and I. Jim and Greg were just like funny guys, mm-hmm. and they were kind of special guys. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, it's just like what all the other bands wanted to be hang out with people that I thought yeah. were. Were good. Were, yeah, good. Yeah. Cool people. Yeah. And I, when we sat down, I said, like, I don't think you guys are, I can tell you guys are really serious. And I said, I don't think I'm probably the right guy. For this, mm-hmm. I said this outright, you know. Mm-hmm. They said, no big deal. Well, you know, we've already, I mean, how many drummers have we already had, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Or how many bands have I already been in, you know? Yeah. Like, nothing's carved in stone and anything. Been around the block, no Let's that. just do it, yeah. you know? And yeah. then when you don't want to do it anymore, yeah. or you can't do it anymore, or whatever, then no we'll just, yeah, yeah, you know, we'll move on. Well, five years later, I mean, it was so much fun, you know? We didn't yeah. expect it to really happen, so... So great, but, uh, you know, but then it got, you know, then it was really busy and it was really, you know, I just, I had two kids by then. I just knew I wanted to be a family guy. There Mm -hmm. wasn't really any big decision to, you know, I mean, I didn't even torture over the decision. It was awkward. It was uncomfortable. I felt bad about it in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways, but I never really, I just was the way I was, you know, the way I was going, who I was, I just, yeah, you know, I knew I could play music yeah. and all that. I, you know, I just didn't really want to be on the road all the time, you know? No, no. Well, and who does, especially, yeah. you know, I've been in your position, I have two kids myself and, yeah. and you sometimes you just got to sit back and go, wait a minute, what's important here? Yeah. Or do I need, do I need this? Is it yeah. selfish? And I've spoken this in previous podcasts. You could be real selfish being a musician and you can say, well, this is my dream. This yeah. is, you know, and this is what I want to do, but you got to look back and take a look around and go, okay, well, this is my life and this is where I want to be. I'm not just thinking five years from now. I'm thinking 50 years from now. Yeah. Because, you know, and I'm sure that you thought, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but but I'm, I'm sure the post office had something to do with, oh, stability. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, by the time it became decision time for Blue Rodeo, like, okay, well, what are you going to do here? Mm-hmm. Are you going to stay or... Because they're they they had two big tours yeah. booked and everything. Um, I by then I had fifteen twenty more than fifteen years logged in at the post office in a pension kind of wavering. Yeah. You know, half I'm halfway to yeah. kind of, and I guess by then I was old enough for you know with the family and everything. I kind of thought, well, you know, I gotta I'm in this posty thing, and you know, it's almost. And you get treated more fairly there than you do in the musical world. Absolutely. You know, There's if, if you're sick and a day off, you still get yeah. paid. You get a vacation. But if you take a vacation, uh, you know, in the world of music, you know. Suck it up, Nancy. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, recording with Terry Brown um, as a producer. Yeah. He, uh, where did you record Toronto Sound, right? Was that in the city uh, here, or was that somewhere it off? Was, it, the first album was done at McClear Place. McClear Place, that's right. Do you know about it? It's I gone. Remember, yeah, it's gone. Yeah. CBC owned it, I think. Yeah. And they had their... It's uh, an east east end of Toronto, right by Church. Yeah, and, Mutual uh, Street. Where, yeah. yeah, Church, around there. Yeah, I remember when they, they closed, and they had all their stuff up, like an auction, and I was like, I can't even afford to get in the front door. Yeah. All the mics and all the great oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, they, they had came, a lot yeah. of great stuff today, you would know. But... Yeah. 
So working with Terry Brown, I, I hear he's kind of like a George Lucas hands-off, or is he is he uh, like a hands-off kind of approach, like you get around where you need to go, or here's what I want you to do. Here's the kick pattern. Here's the snare <clears throat> pattern. Uh, I think by 1985, or 85, 86, when we recorded it, I mean, everything was steeped in that 80s thing. Mm-hmm. And he, he is a producer, you know, has a vested interest, and I totally understand it, in mm-hmm. in being up on the new things and all that. Yeah. You know, for example, my snare drum is a sampled sound from some, you know, Steve Gadd or somebody <laughs> down in a studio in L.A. or something, because yeah. it was the... It was the sound. So my drums mixed in with, uh, it was a triggered sample. All the triggering, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And uh, when we signed with uh, Warner Brothers, or we at the time, they said that the one thing they asked for was that big... Big sound. Big drum sound. Yeah. You know, because that's what all those... Yeah, that's what all those... Yeah. Early '80s bands, and you know, I don't yeah. know ABC or what, who are the uh, Spandau Ballet or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, They're yeah. all everybody had, or even the, the post-punk bands. Had New that. Romance <laughs> is a genre, yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so he, so he, so, but he uh, he was he was great. I mean, we had you know we would record up to a certain point. He'd stop rolling the tape and like to get the guys to tune again and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know. <laughs> uh, and it was done to a click track. Yeah, uh, I think I think all of us. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I I don't mind following. You know, I what did I know? Terry Brown. I was kind of an awe. And kind of a guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, you know, he Self-made. was fun. He yeah. was a cool guy. He is. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, what's your question? I'll get back on track. Working with Terry yeah. Brown, recording yeah. uh, his his approach. His approach. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure what he did with Rush and all that, and I know that he did. He engineered some of Jimi Hendrix stuff. Did you know that? And at Olympic Studio in London, he's an English guy. Yeah. He he's, he's, he cut his teeth in, in Olympic Studios, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I only know about like him yeah. coming to Toronto and being the the Toronto resurrected that first Rush album. That's all I know yeah. that he saved it. Yeah. And became made what it is. Yeah. But. So I'm not sure how, what he did with that, but like he, he he's a. Uh, He's an artist. He wants to try different things. He hasn't got yeah. one approach, I don't think. And and yeah. by the 80s, he thought, I guess, you pretty well had to go that way if you wanted yeah. to get work and you know, all the new projects. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wonder where the master tracks of that is and how someone could actually de-80s-ify that album. What? The, the, it has been. Greg Keeler did a... Oh, he did? <laughs> he did. Yeah, there was a box set at the idea. 30th anniversary. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll play well, it for you after. Really? And it's so just, just kind of ta- rolled off all the... Pizzazz and extra. It's like uh, Let It Be without Phil Spector. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it sounds more like how we sounded, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and it's good in that way. But people learn to love. It's like that, that Iggy Pop, that yeah. Iggy, what was the Stooges album? That, yeah, Raw Power. Uh, yeah, and Iggy he remastered, remastered it by it. playing yeah. it through a studio real loud. Like but didn't he remix it and everything? And bring I'm not it. sure how they did. I mean, someone told me that they, they took the mix and ran it through like the most craziest PA system in the studio oh. and mic'd that. Now, yeah. I could be talking to my ass. I, I'm yeah. not sure, but that's what I... I Someone told me that yeah. that's what... When they, <clears throat> yeah, when they re- remastered it. I mean, it's awesome, but... Yeah. 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 Well, I think, though, like, the guitars are really mixed. You can hardly hear the drums in it. That's yeah, what yeah. I kind of remember about yeah. it. Kind of like... Yeah. You know. 
Yeah, I know there's a few solos and I just like, <laughs> <laughs> and like yeah. yeah, 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 and they would take that console and For just you, take guitar the input. Players, just, you love, yeah, you love it. it. Yeah. Poor drummer, man. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, and then so. So there was a huge critical and, and, and like success and you're like the bright and shining face of Toronto yeah. uh, holding the flag of Queen Street yeah. and, and doing all those things. And uh, I think, were you around when the band did the thing at the Junos and were you playing on that part? With the band, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Remember they did The Wait? The Wait, yeah. That, that all started with... Um, it was 86. Uh, lately, yeah, it was... 80, 86 or 87? Later. 80. I got the I got the Juno right over here. We can look at the dates. Okay. 80, 88, I think. 88. 88, yeah. Okay, so what happened is Levon Helm wouldn't be any part of anything that Robbie well, he, Roberts. Yeah, he called it in. Yeah, yeah he he's going like, I'm not going. If Robbie's going, I'm not going. Oh, you know? So they, they, they arrived without a drummer. And then, well, we were the group, of, new group of the year, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, um, so I was going to be there, and the drums were set up because we were playing. So they asked, you know, the obvious thing was to get the new kid, you know, to play with them. Wow. But uh, the other guy, this is how I remember it. The yeah, other guys yeah, yeah. wouldn't hear of it. They had to get in on it. So they're the whole, you know, Jim and Greg and Basil, everybody got up. Of course. And joined yeah, that, in, like, who wants to miss that opportunity? Absolutely. But, yeah. yeah, I remember watching that live. Yeah. Because I went, is that the same year that Katie Lang did... Roy Orbison's crying at the same... Well, we were on the same label as Katie Lang, and we kind of, like... Yeah. We were both happening at the time. I don't know if... Cry- I'm trying yeah, to put uh, it together, but yeah. I think the same... The same show, show she was saying that? Was, or I, maybe I'm putting 87 and 88 together, because yeah. Crowded House played a, on an 87, or 87, I know that for sure. Yeah. Or, or 88, whatever it is. But I know they did two songs. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been 87 because their album had just, uh, Temple of Low Men had just come out. Yeah. And um, I, did Katie Lang do that? I'm not sure. But yeah, yeah. So. I don't think Katie Lang, I don't remember Katie Lang being, I think, I don't know if this could be right, but uh, Alana Miles was big that year. A lot too. of miles. A lot of miles, yeah. A lot of miles. She was on that. She was on the... I remember the acceptance. Yeah. I videotaped it, so yeah. I watched. Was it a that few the same times. years? I was. Yeah. I videotaped that, mm-hmm. and Steven Tyler was on it. Jeff Healy won awards. Is that yeah. the same? No, maybe I'm maybe I'm putting that into you a know, different. No, the guy from that guy from uh, NXS who's no like Hutchins. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's at a oh, kind of go messing the mice and all yeah. that. He was uh, one of the guest presenters, I think. Yes. Does that sound right? It does sound right. Because yeah. I remember hanging with him yeah. a little bit. I didn't. I didn't really know that much about NXS. And I'm not sure if they were kind of newish or yeah. What, what their heyday would have been be- before their big, their big, big, album, big one. Which was yeah, nineties, I think. I want to say late, later eighties. Yeah. But um, for all, actually, for those listening at home, YouTube Blue Rodeo the band. Yeah. Just search that, and you'll see what we're yeah. talking about. Carl it's- Perkins, I remember. Being on the elevator with him. I don't know if he was a presenter. Does that sound? It sounds about right. Okay. Yeah. The Hawk introduced the Hawk, uh, Ronnie Hawkins. Yeah. Uh, he per, um, he brought you guys on. Yeah. I remember that. He goes, you, you remember them as the band, but they were my band first, is what he said. <laughs> I remember that's a quote. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah. To me, that was special times in Canadian rock. And I'm trying yeah. to remember when I actually went to the Junos because it was at the O'Keefe. It would have been 89, I think, when Rick Moranis um, uh, 
uh, he he was the host. Yeah. And Rod Stewart did Downtown Train, and they brought this crazy set of a train, this like facade yeah. rolling on, and he rolls off. I thought. Yeah. It better look better on TV because this looks like total shit. Oh like, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Horrible. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you, uh, I want to talk about the second album too because okay. that was done in a theater, if I'm correct, right? Right. Live with uh, the Comfort Sound Mobile. Yeah. Machine with Doug McClements. Yeah. Who I have to say influenced me to do mobile recording. Like here we yeah. are, we're sitting here. Yeah. But I used to take my recording gear in the back of my van and travel all across Canada and record yeah. bands in basements. Yeah. And McClement gave like me that. some of that. You probably oh, have some, some good it. stuff. It's uh, well, Rob Sanzo uh, from Signal to Noise said, you're sowing the seeds of rock. They call me yeah. like the Johnny Appleseed of punk yeah. rock. So I would go to houses and sometimes like in Calgary for a month, I'd be there recording Are these bands. what you call f- field recordings? Yeah. <laughs> kind of, you know. Yeah. yeah there yeah. was certain houses and, and it was great because parents were super psyched that Junior mm. was the same recording with some guy from Toronto and yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we're going off there. Uh, but mm. um, second album, uh, uh, On Location, uh, what theater was that? Was it a... Um, uh, it was at the Donlands, I think it was the old Don, I think it was called the Donlands... It was a Donlands theater. It was an okay. uh, old, I think it was a movie theater. Yeah. There was a big, st- it was had been gutted. Mm-hmm. And Doug, yeah. We, he just moved in. He just, yeah, we just set up. Uh, Malcolm Byrne, who had been in this band, Boys Brigade, who worked with Dan yeah, Lanois yeah. down in, you know. Yeah. Uh, we, we sort of thought, because we knew Dan Lanois. He recorded the, sh- the band I mentioned, The Sharks, yeah. when he was like 18 or something at Grand Avenue <laughs> Studio. Wow. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, um, and I think it was uh, Terry Wilkins. You know him? He did some producing. He reproduced some stuff I did. He's a bass player. He's still going. Yeah, I know that name. Um, He just mentioned on Facebook now. He just, he said, I didn't remember. He did the shark, this shark's recording. Anyway, (laughs) uh, we digress. We digress. Um, My favorite word. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, uh, but okay, so we were at the Donland Studio, uh, the big old theater. McClemens behind the board. Yeah, and, and uh, this, uh, yeah, Michael, uh, Malcolm Byrne. Malcolm who, Byrne, yeah. Who was uh, Dan Lanois' sidekick at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, he had worked on that, uh, I think the big jo- the Joshua Tree album was. Oh, wow. They had been uh, helped engineer that, you know, and we were kind of, mm-hmm. you know, it was after the Joshua Tree, I think mm-hmm. we did it. And they did, uh, then the next album that, that they did was. Uh, Neville Brothers, uh, something Moon. Uh, it was a big album, anyways. But uh, do you know much about the Neville Brothers? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Neville New Brothers Orleans, was like yeah. the old meters, right? The meters, meters yeah. yeah. Some of them, and yeah. yeah. Aaron Neville had that beautiful voice, and, and the rest mole. of them were all killer. He's got a mole too, right? Is yeah, Aaron Neville with a mole? Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. yeah. You can't. <laughs> oh, <I laughs> That's all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> you can't miss it. Yeah, great music. <laughs> yeah, uh, fucking yeah. mole though. <laughs> Okay, Mr. Austin Powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Molly, molly, molly. So the, we, we recorded there, and Doug McClellan, he had a comfort sound studio that yeah, actually the recorded truck. at. That truck before, still exists. Before, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, and he's still going. I yeah. know, yeah. They, that, that truck, though, got bought by uh, Harris Institute. Is and that was right? parked yeah. out in the back of Harris Institute yeah. for years, and I still think, I think you just painted it yeah. and called it something else. But yeah. that truck... Yeah, it's seen yeah. a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of miles. Well, Chum FM used to we, like simulcast. at least one to a simulcast. Mm-hmm. I did a few of those. And the Phoenix, would be always the Phoenix, and the Alma Combo. In this, this was even in the. Yep. I got a Sharks one. The 
the, that was 81 or something yeah. that he was doing. What was Stuart Copeland's those? thing that he did with um, uh, the King Crimson? What was the bass player? What was his name? Oh, God damn. The bass player of King Crimson? Yeah, he had a band. Uh, which one? Which uh, bass player? The guy played on So, Peter Gabriel. If we can yeah. put this into a Daniel okay. Lenoir theme. Yeah. Uh, he had a, a super group he put together. And I can't remember what they're called now. But they played the MO and it was live simulcast. Yeah. I remember the first time I heard it. It was called Something Machine. Something Machine. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. We're going off on a, on a tangent there. Not Bowie's Tin Machine. Not, Not Tin. Well, oh, maybe I'm thinking. I don't know. It's so hazy. I never thought I'd say it's all hazy now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, all right. Time so will do that. The truck. Yeah. The truck. And what, how long, how far did you have to walk from drum kit to truck? Or did they give you something to listen to? Uh, no, it was kind of, I don't even know if we used, I don't remember that much. I don't even know if we used headphones. Oh, I, wow. You know what, I'm just, I'm almost thinking we didn't. Yeah, we had to walk. It was a long walk out to the thing. You know, okay, we're going to do another take. Someone would walk in and tell Are us, you okay, sure? yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't use a click on that one or anything, Yeah, you yeah, know? Well, that's a great album. I guess that's, that's there's a, a lot, a lot to listen to on that. Now, would that album be sort of like a revolt against the 80s-ified drum sound from, like, their first album? Like, yeah. It must have been sort of like, we want to do our thing. We've done, we did a pretty good job yeah. on our first album. Let us, give us a little uh, little leeway. Well, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Didn't work for Sloan. No. That, that approach yeah. did not work for them. No. They, they tried and then got dropped. <laughs> but well, you guys, that, that album still us? didn't. Yeah. Diamond Mine was a single. Yeah. Uh, what were the other singles on that album? Uh, oh, there was... Well, how long was kind of one the first song in the album that was released? I think there's others. Yep. Yeah, I remember, I remember that one. album doing well. Yeah. And uh, so that kind of leads up to almost like you went. That would have been what year was that? Diamond Mine. That was. It was eighty nine. Eighty nine. That's what I think. And then uh, Casino was ninety one. Yeah. So in between Casino and Diamond Mine was your departure. Departure. Yeah. And I'm. I would love it to be some juicy, greasy punch fight story, but yeah. I'm sure it was all like high fives and see around yeah. the bend. And but when you got you got mentioned as being in the band on the li the album notes in Casino, right? But then they showed yeah. the musicians yeah. were other people, so they had gone. Were you part of the Casino? Like I'm. I'm no, you know together. what? It was. I think they went to Los Angeles to record that. I didn't yeah. go. At all, I might have got a mention. I don't. I think they mentioned yeah. like the band, the lineup, and then yeah. if you read further down, oh, yeah, uh, drums on, bass oh. on, and then you know, I don't, I don't know if I ever looked at it for. I think closely. you were mentioned as being I'm in gonna, the band. I'm gonna look. I'm yeah, gonna check that out. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> or what was Lost Together? <clears throat> Lost Together's after Casino, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's when um, <clears throat> Bob left, right? Uh, he was on that. Yeah, I believe, but Glenn was in the band That's by right. then. Yeah, I, yeah. Mark was on Casino, and then Glenn was the next album, and then Glenn's been there. Glenn Melcham. <clears throat> Glenn Melcham yeah. has been, you know, in the band like for. I mean, I was in the band five years. He's been in it since. Oh, forever! Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, when know. he first joined, um, when they played in Winnipeg, I li lived in Winnipeg, and my girlfriend at the time was part of the committee to bring the band from the airport. They were the organizing committee, and Blue Rodeo yeah. was playing, and Glenn was trying to pick up my girlfriend. No way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all the dirt I got. 
apart from that, yeah, I, I, yeah. You know, apart from that, I worked yeah. one Blue Rodeo show as a tech systems tech. This was an, yeah. this was a while. It wasn't too long ago as for a FedEx corporate gig. Yeah. And the two owners of FedEx, basically like the two big guys, yeah. you know, show up to do and there's ghost cars and all and Blue Rodeo's playing for all these FedEx people. And I went up to put lavaliers on the the big Jesus, the whoever the lavaliers, CEOs, lavalier mics, you know, the oh, little uh, yeah. And they go, it's okay, we already got some. Yeah. But they were from the TV interview they did yeah. like three hours before for CTV. I'm like, right. those aren't going to work with us, dudes. Yeah. yeah. But that was my Blue Rodeo experience. So, yeah. so How long were you in Winnipeg? I lived there from 1991 throughout the summer to the winter, about a year. Yeah. I, I, I joined a band out there. I moved out there to join a band. That's where I first met John Sutton, who right. is... Uh, well, I met him a few years before that, but that's where we all moved into, into a house together. Mm-hmm. And that's how John and I, our love affair began. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was about a year and a bit. And then, uh, yeah. 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 So, Casino, you, you did you help demo any of that stuff? Because that album is their break, kind of breakthrough album in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. No? No, I was pretty... When we finished the album... The Diamond Mind, I was pretty much... I didn't even do any tour. Oh, wow. That. Okay. Yeah. 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 Sayonara. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? In in retrospect, I I, I don't want to you know put words in your mouth, but I think that was a good move. Because yeah. look at you now. Like, you're yeah. playing... I was saying, how many bands are you playing before we did the interview? You're like, oh, I don't know, maybe 15. Yeah. Like, but... Less than 100. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're doing, you're doing now what... It sounds like you kind of set your life out to do play well, music. Yeah, be this comfortable. is kind of more what I envisioned than yeah. having done that. You know, who knows? Mm. Who knows? You know, mm. I'm kind of a you know I never was, but more recently I've become a big believer in fate. I don't even know if you can get what you can control or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I made certain decisions. They were decisions that based on you know what I thought at a very young age, and so. That's all good, you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, I did this, played with these great players last night. You know, Tim Bovaconti that plays with Burton Cummings in the last, last six years, mm-hmm. and Ron Sexman's guitar player, Fergus Hamilton, who's yeah. uh, you know got a history from the Yorkville days, and Andy Mays from Sky Diggers. We did all the Bird songs, you know, wow. from oh, yeah, the sixties band at the Orbit, know? right? Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's just like a gorgeous thing to be able to go mm-hmm. back and play these songs that I used to listen to, but I wasn't even drumming yet or anything, and I've learned this stuff. You know, I kind of learned to play drums from kind of in a God and a Vita on, you know, Iron Butterfly, yeah. where everything, you it's know, is kind of like Bon and Ask After. Before yeah. that, there was this kind of rock and roll-y kind of, you know, yeah. a, a different, yeah, a different yeah. feel. Yeah. So I'm going back and doing this sort of pre-style that I didn't really... No, and it's playing this old music, but I loved the, the songs. I grew up with these songs. I yeah. mean, there's these three-part army. So anyways, all that stuff that I do, all that, you know, everything from quiet to really loud music, you yeah. know. I yeah. love playing the little rooms with my little tiny cheap set of drums and play, you know, good energy, but not, vo- you know, the energy's based on feel more than volume, you know. Yeah. So. Now, were you telling me before the... Now, we're going to go back a little mm-hmm. further, because yeah. I remember this now. You Were you telling me the split ends or Crowder House story? Was that... Were you... Who? Uh, there was a little bit. Uh, Kim Clark Chapness yes. called me up when they, their uh, drummer had 
had bailed in a, a tour in the middle of it. You know, I don't know what happened. I got the vo- the the message. You know, like the day later, yeah, asking me if I might be available Fitting. for. He thought that I might, you know, be yeah. able to, you Did know, you look, help. No, 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 but I mean, I don't. I think he came back. Yeah, he took Paul, off. He was that, yeah, Paul. Yeah. Paul. Um, oh, I should know this. this. Is like one of my favorite bands. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he he was always suffering with some sort of bipolar disorder, yeah. and he, he eventually he committed suicide in two thousand and five oh, or six, yeah. five, yeah, five, and uh, yeah, so he he's always a bit a bit nutty, yeah, but funny as funny as the day is long. Oh my gosh, yeah, he, I, he would... I you know I don't know the guys, but no, know, yeah, no, yeah, no, but um, but they were yeah, they were fun guys, funny yeah. guys, yeah. Well, I've seen interviews, yeah, 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 and the. Uh, so we don't need to talk about the '90s. Do we need to talk about the '90s? <laughs> Did, is there anything exciting? Oh. Nirvana happened. That's about it. Yeah, I thought Nirvana down. was pretty great. And yeah. uh, I remember when did Dookie come out? Green Day. Oh, that was yeah, that was a little earlier. I want to say, or no, a little after. I think that was kind of mid '90s ish. Yeah. Dookie's a great album. Yeah. I never owned it. No, never yeah. bought it. Never bought Nirvana. I bought it. That was fun. Yeah. I love the idea that these guys were playing high, just three piece band, mm-hmm. and you know low budget kind of thing yeah. and I'm ro- rocking it out and you know and, and becoming one of the largest bands in yeah. the world yeah. yeah 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 so that happened I remember that for me I mean you know after Blue Rodeo I really got sort of pegged into kind of a more a roots mm-hmm. thing yeah. you know I like all kinds of music I like probably most people I think right but uh I kind of still had always this uh, you know this thing that punk was the thing that I was part that actually a style of music. Well, I guess Blue Rodeo was like a new style, you know, mm-hmm. too. Um, Early days of alt country, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I was kinda. looking for something new. I don't know. I yeah. remember there was some stuff happening in New York, this band Degeneration. Do you ever yeah. heard of them? Yeah, I have. I had, they were pretty, I had a compilation from, I don't know, like Mojo Magazine and just yeah. one song from Frankie, I think it was called, by Degeneration, just jumped off that thing to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went and they came to Toronto, I saw them. Mm-hmm. So the 90s, I don't know. I'm sure lots of stuff happened. But the, every year, the older you get, you know, you get your stuff that you love. Yeah. And, you know, you, you can't possibly be, you know, you get a little jaded and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I'm really still focusing on sort of 60s and 70s music and it's just like that's the way it is you know yeah. i don't think it's necessarily better or anything that's yeah. not why you know i do it's just what i know it's what and it's know what and i what can do yeah, yeah you can associate yeah. to that yeah so it's still like yeah still like uh, digging around i still love listening to that stuff you yeah. know i you know i'm never gonna get tired of uh our, you know youtube find footage by some obscure you know, mm-hmm. little cool band, yeah. you know, from the did 60s. You, and did the, you get much into the Black Keys? Because that's the closest to <laughs> yeah. swampy kind of... No, kinda... I never actually bought... You know, I, the Hives were something that I kind of yeah. had a special yeah. thing. But the you know, Black Keys, whatever I've heard, I've liked. But I haven't yeah. really had the... Uh, I haven't really crossed paths with Yeah, they do funky things with electronics versus mm. soul music. Yeah. And they, they kind of... They do what I only thought, like... um they made computers kind of sound like humans. Yeah. And I think the only person I've ever seen hear, and heard do that was yeah. Bjork. And yeah. Bjork could kind of like take electronic music and give it a soul. I mean, yeah. that's sort of, she held the flag for that yeah. kind of music. Oh, she's great. Oh, she's great. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, can you name some of the bands that you play in right now so people can go search you out? Oh, gosh. 
Uh, Name the ones. I'm going to forget. You, you know, I'm going to leave it. Okay, well, I've, Dave Celia is a songwriter guy. He's been recording albums for a long, long time. I've gone to Europe with him. We play mm -hmm. once, a, once a week at the Cameron House and other gigs. Lucas Staggs, another songwriter that's been active and busy for a long time. We do lots of gigs. Um, I got these sort of, I started The Screwed, which was just uh, about 2004, that uh, some of the guys that were originally in the punk rock 70s movement uh, are in it, and we just did covers for fun. Mm -hmm. uh, we've done a couple, we've written a few originals, and you know, we recorded them, they're on a CD, mm -hmm. you see, and then the Sid's Kids, we, I was asked to do a punk night at the Painted Lady. Which is a hell of a good time. Yeah, it's it's been going, it's, it is fun. How many years have been going for? Uh, I think three, three, three years, and a half yeah. or something. Every yeah. last Sunday, folks, go to the Painted yeah. Lady and go see, yeah. uh, go see Sid's Kids. <clears throat> yeah. I've performed on a few of those, and it's it's a scream. Yeah. We should talk a little bit about the Sid's Kids because I, I have yeah. a I have a warm feeling in my heart. Yeah. With that, because I feel that it's very. I think we've spoken about a little bit about this, but it feels very hockey league. This is my mm. hockey night. Yeah. I go. And I play hockey, and I remember what it's like to be a younger hockey player, yeah. and I have fun, and these are things that I've loved to do my whole life. Mm. It's the same vibe I took away from it when I came up to sing a song with mm. people who knew how to play. Mm -hmm. And it's like, obviously, a bit not karaoke. It's got an energy that karaoke could never fill. Yeah. You know, and it's something that I think is uh, what we all need as an aging punk yeah. rock society. Yeah, well, I think it was just a party for us old punk rockers, you know? Yeah. You know, and if people want to come in, it's not it's not punk rock as such. It can be a theme, but right? But it's, yeah. it's the, <clears throat> I mean, it, it, it's an attitude. Some people say, that's no, not really punk rock when you guys are, but we're trying to save or not let the some of these old songs that we wrote and played on, mm -hmm. you know, you know, we got Mickey Skin who did the Curse, and you yeah. know they made records, and you know the Vile Tones guys, and and we do a lot of these songs, and then we cover some um, relevant songs that fit into it. So, mm -hmm. so a whole bunch of us that hardly knew each other back in the day, we were just playing in all these bands, right. but people, you know, yeah, sometimes bands just sort of look after their territory, yeah. you, know, you know, don't yeah. really. So now we're all connecting, and now we're doing our songs. And we're, it's a party. We're having fun, you know? Yeah. And we're trying to expand on a little bit, you know? We've got the CIUT radio, Equalize Distort, the punk radio show that's on Sunday oh, cool. night. We've got a DJ coming down. All right, yeah. Darcy, the 25-year-old guy, loves all this old stuff. He DJs, but he gets up and sings with us, <laughs> That's you know? amazing. Oh, so he makes yeah. it into, he announces it, and then it becomes yeah. advertising for... Yeah, uh, so we're cool. trying to reach out and just yeah. be a, make it inclusive yeah. and make it about, you know... The people that were the originators of this whole thing, you know, yeah. the Toronto punk rock stuff. It's such a good so, vibe. And you guys that have participated in a later time, you know, took up the torch, yeah. you know, that we get you guys in on it yeah. too. Because, you yeah. know, that, you, you know, it's great to not have it just a bunch of old farts, yeah. you know, just, yeah. uh, but, you know, I um, mix it up. I was sitting there once, I, when a, one of the shows I was at, and I came up with an idea to um, do a documentary mm -hmm. on on like sort of like punk rock and what punk rock was and what it is now. 
And then what screwed it up is that other F word documentary. And it talks about fathers in punk rock. Oh, right. And I was thinking I had such a great, I, this would be so much fun to do. It would be something where, okay, you're at this age now and you weren't at, obviously you were younger. What ethics did you bring through to mm -hmm. the, to, to, from then to now? And there's some people that might say, you know what? I haven't changed a thing in my life. That's why I live in a basement apartment. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. that was, that's the story. You know, that's the idea. Mm. <clears throat> and it's sort of like punk rock turned, what, 40? Now punk rock's going to be turning 50. Yeah. And we need to sort of document the people, you know, yeah. somehow. That's why documentary was in. Yeah. So I might hit you up again because they haven't, right. haven't squashed the idea. Yeah. Because it, to me, it's, it's based on ethics. It's based on who you were yeah. and who you are. And how you used what you did to get where you are now. Yeah. And what, you know, because I only know from my own experience. You know, yeah. Well, there's I mean. lots to say, lots to talk about. Absolutely. So, yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's. Yeah. Well, I think, you know what? We've, uh, we've covered some good, some good, some good things. We here. have, haven't we? It's yeah. been, uh, it's been, a, it's been an awesome time. And yeah. you know what? I am proud to say, and I, nobody knows yeah. this, but I say, you know what I mean? A lot. Oh, I, I just said it once. Yeah, oh, did, yeah I was going to say, I didn't notice. <laughs> I, yeah. I was guilty. And when I started yeah. hearing back to previous podcasts, yeah. I would say, you know what I mean, as a, uh, oh, I said it again, as a uh, filler yeah. to get. Well, you're thinking, and you know, like, it's, uh, yeah, you're thinking about what you're saying. I think that's that's my understanding, you know, when people say um, or, um, and, or uh, and you know, you know, you yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. But that's all Can't human. You, uh, yeah. But I'm trying to like I'm not a radio person. I'm, yeah. You know, but uh, yeah. But let's 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 sign off and say, oh, we stopped at we stopped at his kids. Is yeah. there any like real like up and coming anything new that you really wanna you wanna plug and promote? Uh, there's all seems to always be something that I'm kind of pretty excited about. Um. Um, um oh, you know I'm getting no into Bo I'm getting into Buddhism and uh, <laughs> oh, uh can we just uh Let's yeah. why don't you write connect it down and that? I'll yeah. put it I'll put it in the write up and then yeah. uh, and okay, then we can I'll figure it out. Yeah. There you have it. Oh, we have to update this podcast by the way because we have to edit what we said there content wise. Thanks to Bob Wiseman actually who commented on this podcast to say that it wasn't the Burton Cummings Theater. It was actually the Playhouse. Also, Outskirts was recorded at the studio Mutual Street, which is a former RCA recording studio. So thanks, Bob, for the uh, update. We now return to the previously recorded outro. So there you go, everybody. Episode 6 of the Apolog Podcast. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes. Follow Apolog Podcast on iTunes. You can also come to the website and listen to it on the website. And there's a few little links and things like that, like make a donation. That would be awesome. At apolog.esy.es. Because I drive all over the place. And I do this. We don't have a studio. and People don't just come in and hang out because I live too far away from everybody. So I go to them. I bring the pod to the people. It's, it's catchy. So anyways, thanks so much for listening. As always, this podcast is brought to you by fetchclass.com. Fetchclass.com, if, you if you've heard the other podcasts, you don't need to listen. It's just stop. But fetchclass.com is a online teaching and learning system that puts teachers and students on a video conference. It's better than Skype. It's better than FaceTime. It's better than anything out there. Um, it utilizes a really cool 
plugin by Google. And it's kind of cool and cutting edge, as well as it gives, a, gives someone a place to go and learn. It gives someone a place to teach. So it kind of win, win, win. So come by www.fetchclass.com. That's www.fetchclass.com. Thanks so much, everybody. Next week, we have a band that's coming in. They're called Boys Night Out. I think you're going to like these guys. Just for homework, go download Trainwreck, and then we'll see you in a week. Ta-ta. It's not enough whistling in rock and roll anymore. No, yeah.